Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Aristotle Full Throttle. This is the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. Incidentally enough, it's titled the same as my name. I mean, who thought of that? Who's the boss around here? Joe? Is Joe the boss around here? No, I am. I am the boss. I am the boss of me. I'm not the boss of you. You are the boss of you. You are not the boss of me. But you can be for a dollar a month on Patreon. You could go ahead and subscribe uh, and uh, send me a dollar a month on Patreon. That gives you access to the Discord, which hopefully I'll be talking to some people on the Discord today. Today is a very sad, but also it's a very sad day for comedy. But, But my oh my, there are going to be jokes. There are going to be comedic jokes like you've never heard for the next week. And I am here for it. Rest in peace, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. You, you guys might know him as the guy who's always screaming. The guy, I can't even do his voice. I could not believe he could maintain that voice for 50 years or so that he was doing his bits as uh, the obnoxious parrot. Uh, wait, wait, what did he play in The Lion King? We all know him as the bird. We all know him as the Affleck duck. He got fired from Affleck for the very reason that we're going to make fun of Gilbert right now. We're going to say the worst things we could possibly say about him. Because you know what? Gilbert would have wanted it that way. So cancel culture can go take a hike. Gilbert was the most obnoxious voiced, uh, screaming little demon of a demon. I'm sure he's in hell right now giving Satan a run for his money. He's probably got an eternally lengthy version of the aristocrats that Satan can listen to uh, and be irritated by. We love you, Gilbert. I actually went and saw a Gilbert Gottfried movie. There's a documentary about Gilbert Gottfried. And I went and saw it about four years ago, three, four years ago. And his partner, good golly, God bless that woman. I don't even believe in God, but I think that that's what she she should be blessed by, the imaginary Satan, Jesus, or whatever you want to. She should be blessed by the animist. Uh, She should be blessed by the fertile uh, God of Easter. I don't know. But Gilbert's partner basically helped him along these last 30 or so years. Helped him literally dress himself. Gilbert was a comedic genius. Probably could not do anything other than comedy. Literally. I'm not even joking. You gotta watch this documentary. Gilbert Gottfried could not... Do he could barely take care of himself. He would take Greyhound buses all the way to his uh, his comedy shows that he would do. He would constantly tour, and his his partner, his wife, she would pack him. She'd pack up his deodorant, his everything. He didn't know how to take care of himself, this guy, but he did know how to take care of an audience. He really did. If you guys don't know who Gilbert Gottfried is, do yourself a favor and and just Google his comedy because boy oh boy this guy could wear you down he'd wear you down you'd be you were amazed i just thought he was going to be a guy that would be around forever he's one of those comedians i can't believe we lost norm mcdonald and gilbert gottfried within six months of each other it's crazy but check out the movie gilbert gottfried did it's a documentary i went and saw him not only did i see this movie but gilbert was there Gilbert was there doing a Q&A after the movie with his partner. She was on stage with him because he can't go anywhere without her. Couldn't anyway. Well, you can go to hell without her. Listen, guys, Gilbert would have wanted it this way. The reason he got fired as the Aflac duck is because he made some uh, comments right after 9-11. Apparently, you can't make jokes 
You couldn't make jokes. Uh, too soon. The guy was the king of too soon. As soon as someone died, as soon as something major happened, he would tweet out a horrendously hilarious joke about it. And, um, and I don't know if you can stomach those kinds of things. Maybe it's not your cup of tea. That's fine. But people tried to cancel him forever. Obviously, he knows the consequences of saying a thing. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. He's pretty funny. What was this movie called? Gilbert Gottfried movie was called uh, uh, Gilbert. <laughs> Funnily enough, his movie's called Gilbert. Watch the movie Gilbert. Uh, you will be amazed at this guy's uh, comedic genius, his timing, his his ability to tell jokes. He would go on stage and tell jokes that were like very simple jokes. Hello, Noel Dreyer. Welcome to the show. This is the Full Throttle Show. Obviously, five days a week, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I don't know where you are in the world right now, but it's 4 p.m. here. It's actually 4.04 p.m. We've been talking about Gilbert Gottfried and rest in pieces, that guy. We love him. What I'm doing is a tribute to Gilbert Gottfried. If you don't know that Gilbert Gottfried was the king of too soon, watch out. Because this next week is going to be an onslaught of every comedian roasting Gilbert. They might as well roast him on a spit. He's dead now. Um, I'm, listen, this is going to be the first of it. You're going to hear a lot of this for this next week. <laughs> and it's because it's a tribute to this guy who was like the absolute, uh, had the, the most irreverent person probably ever. Irreverent is the word. We love him. Very sad to see him go. Uh, very sad. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of jokes. Hope you could stomach them. I'm going to be laughing because I know, because I know that's the thing. A lot of people just don't get when you're doing something in tribute for somebody. And I'm not talking about the Hunger Games. I don't know about the Hunger Games tributes. Do you guys watch the Hunger Games? They're stupid. I don't get the Hunger Games. You know why? Because just eat something. Have a sandwich. You guys are eating like bread. You guys are eating squirrels you're good why don't you breed the squirrels why don't you make squirrel sandwiches eat something I'm just saying the Hunger Games is stupid never bought into it never thought it was cool never liked it we're all killing each other but we there's a love story (laughs) what kids killing each other hilarious anyway I'm gonna make fun of popular things my unpopular opinion. But Gilbert, boy oh boy, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see the <laughs> what comedians are saying. Let's just see what's trending right now. Gilbert Gottfried is trending. Let's read what the comedians are saying. Probably awful, awful, awfully hilarious things. Um, let's see what this... How did he do that voice forever? How did he do that voice? Oh, there's a great picture right here. Very sad. Uh, it's Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried, and Norm MacDonald right there. It says, your buddies are waiting. They're all waiting in hell. That's where all my friends are going to be. I don't buy this heaven crap. 
Heaven seems like a boring ass place. What are you going to do? Have like bacon and eggs every day? It's boring. You know, like, where do you get a, uh, what are there, 72 virgins there? What do you do on day 73? What I'm saying is, heaven seems boring. Hell seems way more fun. Uh, Gilbert Goffrey passed away today at the age of 67. Rest, Gilbert. The funniest person I've ever known, there will be another like, there won't be another like him. Rest in peace. The, the, the tributes are too nice right now. I'm going to tell you that within the next 24 hours, you're going you're gonna to see some, uh... <laughs> Some roasting. I can't wait. Ah, oh boy, oh boy. Gilbert Gottfried, we missed you. And in it, 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 tribute to you, I'm going to give you a rim shot. <laughs> Humor. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Boy, oh boy. Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. Did you guys... Where, where did you see Gilbert Gottfried? He was in a movie like... 30 years ago called The Adventures of Ford Fairlane with another comedian who's much maligned, but who's also a great actor, Andrew Dice Clay. Now, if you guys remember the 80s, nobody remembers the 80s. They tried to cancel Andrew Dice Clay for saying things. Saying things that people laughed at. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Isn't, isn't the laughter of the multitudes of the crowd indicative of what's actually funny I don't I don't think that comedians are trying to do anything but make people laugh I think that this is the problem comedy goes to die uh, Noel Dreyer too says they saw that movie The Adventures of Ford Fairlane yeah Gilbert Gottfried was in it he plays a radio DJ and of course he speaks with like a normal voice in that he's like hello my name is Gilbert Gottfried. You know, his his normal voice was like that. On Howard Stern, they're going to have all the tributes, I'm sure, about him. What's today? Tuesday? Tomorrow is Wednesday. All day on tomorrow on Howard Stern tomorrow. I'm just tell, I'm giving a plug to Howard Stern because he was a frequent guest on that show. And every time that Gilbert Gottfried was on the Howard Stern show, every single person on that show would completely lose the, and their composure. There was nothing left. They completely like you would you would think you you entered a barrel of monkeys because they were just falling off out, out of the rafters. It's kind of it was always the best. I'm a big fan of talk radio. I've got my own show called Aristotle Full Throttle. You're listening to it now. Thank you. Uh, and I'm a big fan of of talk radio. And Gilbert Gottfried would be on the Howard Stern show every couple years and. It, do yourself a favor and listen to those clips because they would lose their minds because he would completely take over the show with his Dracula impressions and his impressions of Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, If you haven't heard Gilbert's impression of Jerry Seinfeld, it's spot on, and he makes fun of Jerry's comedy in Jerry's voice. <laughs> Let me see if I can find a clip of that. But whenever... <clears throat> He was on this show. They would just completely just be out of breath laughing. And as an audience, as someone listening to that show, you would just be rolling on the floor because this guy just was relentless, a relentless comedian. Um, this is an old school Jerry Seinfeld, Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, that's a commercial. Don't listen to the commercial. 
I don't like it. David Brenner. Oh, David Brenner's a, another dead comedian. If you guys don't know who David Brenner is, that's what he sounds like. David Brenner was a really great storyteller. I don't know if you know who he was, but he was a funny, funny dude. Always lied about his age. He was about 70, and he would say he was like 39. I don't like myself. I am 70. Well, that's a, that's his impression of David Brenner. Here he gets his impression of Jerry Seinfeld. David Brenner in a deep philosophical conversation with Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, Jerry, Jerry, you eat pizza. You eat pizza. Why do people eat pizza? <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, Jerry, you ever tie your shoes? You know when you tie your shoes? Why do people tie their shoes? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. The dude did incredible impressions. So the, I talk about the adventures of Ford Fairlane because Gilbert Gottfried is in there and he uses his normal voice. I talk about his appearances on Howard Stern because they often would play just as a goof on, on Gilbert Gottfried. They would play clips of Gilbert calling in in his normal voice. They would play the answering machine and he would, you know, Gilbert talked like this the whole time. But then when he would call in, to leave a message for the Howard Stern Show, he'd say, uh, Hey, Gary, I'm just wondering about tomorrow if there's going to be a transportation to the show. <laughs> Gilbert's real voice, was just a, he was just a normal vo- sounding dude. You would never know in a million years it was him. And it, I found that fascinating. Not unlike a Bob Goldthwait, Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat Goldthwait used to scream a lot. In the 80s, you needed like a hook. If you look back at all the comedians from the 80s, like Judy Tenuta and, and uh, Sam Kinison and, and uh, Gilbert Gottfried and Bobcat Goldthwait, and you just keep going down the list. Everybody, Emo Phillips, everybody had a weird hook to be a comedian. You had to have like this weird angle. Andrew Dice Clay, I mentioned before, who tried, they, they tried to cancel him for saying the dumbest nursery rhyme dad jokes. Uh, it, it's, it's insane what people can get outraged over. Um, The dude just said jokes. And the thing about these people, Hey, Purple Ice 47, welcome to the chat. I'm just talking about Gilbert Gottfried, rest in peace, and also talking about the fact that he was a character. He was playing a character that he created, Gilbert Gottfried. If you saw him doing that impression, he was doing... My camera is shaking... It looks pretty uh, stable to me. Let me know. I don't see it shaking, but thank you. Thank you for for saying that. <laughs> uh, so, you might be in an earthquake-prone place. Are you in L.A.? Was there an earthquake? Um, so, Jerry Seinfeld's... That impression of Jerry Seinfeld is pretty... Uh, you think you're dizzy? That's okay. That's okay. Vertigo happens 
to a lot of people. Pur- purple f- ice, purple rain. Forty-seven says that they they think they're being di- they're dizzy right now. That's okay. That's okay. Just take a Dramamine and lay down. Andrew Dice Clay could do a perfect impression of Elvis. He could do a perfect impression of uh, Jerry Lewis. And Andrew Dice Clay's character, the Dice Man, was a character, guys. He, he just came up with it, and people responded to it, so he continued to do it and rose to great popularity. You might remember his acting. He was in a movie called A Star is Born, starring Lady Gaga, the third incarnation of that movie. He's a great actor. He plays her dad in that. Look at how many views this got. But Andrew Clay, the actor, came up with a character called the Dice Man that people responded to. And he could do a perfect impression of the Dice Man because he created that character. He could do a perfect impression of Elvis. He used to be an Elvis impersonator. So you watch this guy. He's a performer. He could encapsulate Elvis he could do Jerry Lewis. He could become Jerry Lewis. So when people get mad at Andrew Clay, the actor, he's literally just creating a performance piece that people are reacting to, and he's just a good performer. So I don't know why people get upset by that kind of thing. If, if, you're, if you're inventing something that people like, just, I, I mean, I think... Generally, a comedian's heart is in the place of, how do I get as many people as possible to laugh? They're not going, who do I hurt? Who do I, who do I insult? They're not saying that. They're saying, how do I get as many people as possible to laugh, to feel good in that moment? And I think that's lost on a lot of people. I don't know what your life is like, but if you don't live without comedy, I mean, if you don't, if you don't live with comedy... I, I I just cannot fathom a universe where I didn't find everything absurd. And Gilbert Gottfried was the perfect person for that. He would sit there and just make fun of everything, everybody. Because what he did was make rooms full of people laugh. Um, Purple Ice 47. Feel free to subscribe to the show. You can subscribe on Twitch. You can buy a t-shirt. Guys, buy a t-shirt, a sweatshirt. I just got a, uh, a shipment. Someone bought a sweatshirt because it's comfortable. It's a nice, comfortable sweatshirt. You're going to want to wear it on your back and on your front and on your sides and on your arms and over your head. Maybe there's a hood that could go over your head. You could pull it down over your face. But uh, we miss you already, Gilbert. He had a long illness, they said. Here's what's also trending. Zoe Deschanel is shocked you can't recognize her without bangs. Well, I'm going to look at these pictures. She's shocked that we can't recognize. Can you recognize Zoe Deschanel in this picture? Well, it's not so much that she has the bangs, though. It's because her face is slightly different. Her face is, like, literally... She's either older, she's wearing different makeup. See? See? It's a different lighting situation. See this? This is like a closed set. This is a flash. There's many reasons we can't recognize her. Also, you know, she's got some cosmetic things going on in this picture where she's not wearing bangs. The only way, I, the only reason why I say that is because 
You know, everybody does in Hollywood. <laughs> Everybody's got some things injected in their face and some things smoothing things out. I have not done this. I just apply face cream after my showers because I had a, a loving and adoring partner years and years ago who said, I'm going to get you face cream and you're going to take care of your skin. <laughs> I said, what? They said, trust me. And I've done that ever since. And that's why I could be 70 years old and look like I'm 39. Thank you. Noel Dreyer 2 says the camera is not shaking. So Purple Ice 47, you think you're dizzy. That's okay. Just uh, like I said before, you know, just take a little, put one foot on the floor and lay on your back. This is uh, what they tell you to do when you have the spins when you're really drunk. It helps. <laughs> hey, who out there is uh, sad about Gilbert's look? leaving us too early. I mean, it's really sad. I, I mean, I watched that documentary about Gilbert Gottfried and his sister, you know, spoiler alert, she dies in the, in the documentary. His sister really did. He really had a really good bond with his sister. I gotta tell you, time, time is a, time waits for no one. Time waits for no man. You know? Or woman. Or non-binary folks. We're all... That's the one commodity. The one commodity. The one true commodity. It's not money. It's not water. Maybe it's water. You know, because we're humans. But time. That's the thing you can never get back. You spend it, it's gone forever. Your time. How you spend your time is how you spend... Is how you spend uh, your life, literally. Like, that is to say, who you spend your time with is how you spend your life. Don't waste your time with people who are going to, like, just bring you down. Waste, waste your, spend your time, invest your time in those folks who will invest their time in you. I believe this. This is Aristotle Full Throttle Show. We got platitudes galore. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? It's true. Invest your time in those who will invest in you. That is, there are some people who will just take advantage of you. There are some people who will just uh, devalue you to make themselves feel better. It's hard to recognize that. I think you got to go through it sometimes. It's hard to warn people of that. I I'd like to warn people of that on the show. I'd like to be like, hey, look out. Oh, there, look, my camera was just shaking. It's an earthquake. I'd like to warn people about that. But sometimes you can't warn anybody something. They got to learn it themselves. It's frustrating because you're like, I made that mistake. Don't do it. And then they're like, huh? And then they walk right into the manhole. But watch your step. I had a friend a couple years ago and they were... They started to uh, date someone and they were like swept up in it, you know? They were swept up. They said, this is the greatest guy ever. He's so great to me. He's done all this stuff. It's just, he's like, it looks like we we're like star-crossed lovers. And I said to them, it was a little bit of a red flag. They, they shared a lot of uh, their dating life with me. And uh, I'd always be like, oh, hell yeah, cool. Very cool. Awesome. High five. 
But this one particular time, it was like a red flag. Because I'd been through it. I'd been through the love bombing phase in, the, in a relationship. And uh, I recognized it. And I said, Whoa, hey. I'm not being jealous or anything. And I'm not trying to... Ooh. Emergency alert. Silver alert. Missing. Endangered elderly. Guys, keep your eyes out for an endangered elderly person. I sure will. Oof. I'm glad that we have these communal alerts, actually. This is really good. We can all kind of keep an eye out. We're supposed to look after each other. We're humans. That's the whole deal, guys. That's like how we came up. That's how we keep going. We're literally here to just propagate the species. We're just here going, how, who's on the lookout for the tribe? Someone went missing. Someone's sick. Let's take care of them. That's how we work as humans. It just turns out every single culture works that way. Every human culture, that is. And people are like, just fend for yourself and do things for yourself. And you're like, well, we're supposed to look out for each other. Because some people survive. When they say sur it's survival of the physics, it's social Darwinism. You go, well, not really, because we take care of our infirmed. We take care of our sick. This is how humans work. It's not about, yeah, everybody's fine. This is the same mentality about people who didn't want to wear masks during COVID. They're like, I didn't get, I got sick. I was fine. It's like, okay, you were fine. That not everybody is fine. Not everybody gets the same degree. It's like saying, I heard today some uh, person said she had cancer. She's like, yeah, I had cancer. It's like saying I had cancer. It was no big deal. It was fine. Doesn't mean it's fine for everybody. COVID can be bad. COVID can kill you. But just getting back to my story, I was telling my friend, I said, hey, look out. There's love bombing. Thank you, Purple Ice 47 for subscribing. Thank you for your subscription. You will not be disappointed. I promise you will be have a good time. And you can always listen to the show the next day as a podcaster that night on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can get a podcast. This is where the show will be. And you can hear my voice talking to you. So I said to my friend, I said, hey, look out. This thing's like a little familiar to me. This person seems like they're overzealous. They're kind of promising you the world right now. And I just want to say that I'm not being jealous. This is someone I was involved with at some point. I'm not being jealous. I'm just saying, look out. I'm looking out for you. I know it sounds weird, and I know it sounds like I'm trying to rain on your parade right now, and you're having you're related. But I just want to say, as someone who's like of sound mind right now, because you might be in like the the love bomb phase of just euphoria and, and literal insanity. I just want to say as your friend, someone who's been through this, watch out. Just be careful. Because if this happens next, if this person starts saying X, Y, Z, just, just, I'm not, I'm just saying. But it's hard to warn people about that. Because they think you're just being jealous. They think that you're trying to tell them not to pursue their passions. But all you can do is say, hey, as your friend, I want to say that I don't think that this is a good idea, but you do you, boo. Sure enough, two, three weeks later, the, 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 the person who my friend was involved with was revealed themselves. They revealed themselves predictably, in my opinion, having gone through it. Having been there before, having recognized th those signs, they revealed themselves to my friend and she said, you were totally right. And you know what? It feels good to be right anyway. I said, I told you so. Feels good. 
They said. They said. Is there several? Yeah. What? How come that doesn't work anymore? Bring to front. Nope, that's not working. Nope. There. Is there several? <laughs> yes. So. Don't get too frustrated, I guess is the point. Don't get too frustrated when people don't listen to you. <laughs> when, you when you're right. And you know you're right. Sometimes you're not right, though. Sometimes you say a thing and you're like, oh, I was wrong. But that's also important. You gotta be like, I was wrong. I was wrong. You were right. How hard is this for people? How hard is that? I've discovered... I just had therapy this morning, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna unload. I discovered... That people find it impossible to say that they're wrong. Here, say it with me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. How hard is that? What did that... Did that... Did the world just shatter? Did your brain just melt? What happened? You just proved yourself to be an upstanding individual by admitting you're wrong. But maybe inside you're like, I can't ever be wrong. And since you think you can never be wrong, your pride is shattered for some reason. But you should be proud to admit and recognize when you're wrong. And here's another thing that white people do. <coughs> here's the thing that white dudes do, uh, I've noticed. They, they, they all have an opinion. This is just something I've noticed personally. I'm, I'm a dude of color. And I've found that there's a culture amongst white dudes of... Uh, in our society, in America, let me be very specific. In American culture, it is promoted that uh, straight white dudes have to have an opinion on everything. <laughs> they have to actually also state their opinion on everything, it turns out. <laughs> They've got to be like... Well, actually, you know, they've got, there's literally an opinion that uh, every single, you can also say, for instance, I used to be around dudes who went to boys' school. They were, they, were, they went to a privileged boys' school, a white dude's boys' school, mostly white dudes, except for Jeffrey Wright went to that school. Jeffrey White. Jeffrey Wright, he's all white. Let me just say that they went to this school and every single dude that I met from that school has this similar like, well, let me say something. Well, let me say, I'll say something. Now I have to say something because you said something. And I'm just like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> it's okay to say, I don't know. When someone's like, hey, can we change the brakes on this car? 15 dudes. Here's my favorite thing also. If you ever go camping. Oh, hey, Studio 8H. Welcome to the show. I have an employee who thinks... This is what Studio 8H is saying in the comments. I have an employee who thinks he is never wrong in 25 years of working with him. He has never, ever done anything wrong nor apologized. Ooh. Ooh, Studio 8H. I know exactly what you're talking about. Studio 8H continues. Ari, here's my opinion on white dudes having opinions on everything. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. We we love you, Studio 8H. <laughs> Humor. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Studio 8H.
BMW 5000. Four 20 artists. Raccoon Raiders. And now, introducing Studio We got a full intro for Studio 8H today. Welcome to the show. We love you over here at Aristotle Full Throttle. You're always welcome. You're a star. You've got your own intro. Um, I got to start making more intros <laughs> for, for people who are coming along. Everybody gets an intro here. But this is what I was going to say. My favorite thing is when you go to when you go camping. And this maybe just applies for people who go camping. But uh, when you go camping and then you got to build a fire, for some reason... For some reason, for some God knows what reason, every single person at that campsite is going to have an opinion, and they're going to state their opinion on how to build the fire. Watch this next time you're camping. Next time you're around anything that has to do with fire, everybody's going to stand around with a beer. Maybe they'll, they'll, but everyone has to chime in while the fire is being built by whomever. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as a human, as a fellow human, I imagine you're human as well. Welcome. Uh, We've learned to control fire (laughs) for 100,000 years now. (laughs) Just FYI, there are matches, there are lighters, there are matches. We can just light fires now. Little kids run around with lighters, little zippos. They can light fires. Fire is not hard to start. What you need is fuel, oxygen, and heat. That's the three things. It's the triad, the triangle of fire. That's all you need. Yet everybody seems to think, well, you got to take the paper and put it, you got to put the logs on top. And once you, it's really the, dude, it's a Duraflame log. And I've got a one of them long barbecue lighters, and I'll just stand here until it starts to light on fire. Because it's fire. It will burn. I'm on fire today. No impressions, just straight full throttle. Batman, what do you have to say about this? Uh, uh, where are they? Well, that was a bit terrible. Deal with it. Deal with it. So I'm going to wear my deal with it glasses. I just say, Studio 8H, I feel your pain about someone someone who's never wrong about anything. Well, the problem is, I have a big problem with that. I have a big problem with people who can't admit they're wrong. However, my therapist is like, you got to let it go. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. Someone doesn't ever admit they're wrong. It will shatter their ego, te- technically. There's a... They're truly trying to protect this idea of themselves, and because they can't admit that they're wrong, because if they admit that they're wrong, that idea of them themselves will be destroyed. It's called narcissism. But anyway, the whole idea is their ego will be crushed, and there's that's a that's a real problem. It can be a real problem for everyone else. But I, I feel your pain on that. I cannot stand it when someone just can't admit that they're wrong. It's really, really... I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a, not a hint, but a story. 
there was this person I used to, to uh, be around, unfortunately. Um, incidentally, they would just be around. And I'd have to be around them, and I'd say, they would, they were never wrong about anything. And uh, the, they were just never wrong about anything. For instance, one time I said this. Guys, this, you're going to love this story. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Because, you know, I like telling stories. This is the full throttle hour. But I was listening to a... I was at this market, this local market, right? And there was music playing over the PA. And it had the sound of ska punk. There was a ska punk influence in this music that I was listening to over the PA. I was like, oh, sounds like ska punk. It's an interesting song. Now, let me let me remind you guys, uh, I've been playing music for most of my life. I've been listening to music for longer than that. I, at that point, especially, this is about a year ago, had been having a weekly meeting with my fellow musician friends who were in my band, my friend Chris, my friend Ollie, we would have a weekly meeting and listen to music together and discuss and parse the genres and, and just sort of really geek out together about music. <laughs> For instance, we, we go into the minutia of like what influenced this rock who this guitar player sounds a little like a combination of these guitar players. And we would just go back. We would geek back all the way up the family tree of music. We'd go back to like old school stuff. And I think I've made my point about that. I kind of know I have a good idea about music genres. I'm pretty confident with my opinion about music genres. However, I will admit if I'm wrong when I'm wrong. The problem is music is my speciality. This is the problem. I have been a professional musician for my adult life. See, I'm getting worked up, Studio 8H, because I was having a conversation with somebody who didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I said that this music I'm listening to over the PA sounds like ska punk influenced music. And then the person that I was dealing with said, no, this isn't ska punk. I wouldn't call this ska punk. And I said, well, it is. And then they said, no, this isn't ska punk. And I said, well, listen, the accents on the upbeats on the two and the four suggests an Afro-Caribbean influence. And the tempo is up-tempo, and there's a little bit of a police in there, and the police were a ska band, ska-influenced band, punk band, rock band. This is very indicative of that genre of music. And then she said, I wouldn't call this ska punk. I'd say that they sound more like Sublime. And then I almost lost my brain, because I said, Sublime is a ska punk band. Now, this is when you catch someone who's wrong and you say, hey, you're wrong. You're wrong. You are wrong. You just said that this band doesn't sound like literally the poster boy. <laughs> you said they didn't sound like Scott Punk. And then you said they sound more like the actual poster boys for Scott Punk. 
which then I googled it, and I was like, oh, look. Look what Wikipedia says. Sublime is a ska punk band from Long Beach, California. To no avail, because they weren't wrong. They're never wrong. This person was never wrong many times, and it was really irritating. It was really irritating to me, especially like on issues of like, say, uh, Black Lives Matter, and because they're not a person of color. Also, uh, let me just go off on this for a minute. This is the same person. I, listen, I watched the movie. There's a movie out there. It's called uh, In the Heights. It's by Lin Manuel Miranda. In the Heights, you, as you know, is a musical. It features heavily uh, Dominicans from Washington Heights, New York. Washington Heights is in the upper part of Manhattan. It's next to the Bronx. I grew up on Long Island. I'm familiar with the area. This person did not grow up on Long Island. They are not familiar with the area, but they do like Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I said to them, I watched the movie In the Heights. I watched the movie with my eyes and my ears. And as a Dominican person myself, someone who is of Dominican descent, as someone who is of Dominican descent, who is from New York, I didn't notice a lot of Dominicans in that movie who look like me. Watch the movie. There's one lead, she's, she looks a little like me. And when you go to Washington Heights, New York, you see, if you see a hundred people, a lot of them are going to look like me. And there are gigantic dance numbers in this movie, In the Heights. There are these huge dance numbers with like 100 people. And I'm like searching the frame because it, it was jumping out at me. They're, I'm like, they're supposed to be in, in the Heights? It would be like saying that you're in Zimbabwe and all you see is like Icelandic people. You'd be like, this doesn't seem, maybe there's a, I don't know if we're in the right, I don't know if this is the right distribution of ethnicities. So I was telling the same person who was never wrong about anything. I said, well, I'm from the area. And when I was watching the movie, I didn't really notice people who looked like me. And you know what she said to me? She said, there were plenty of Latinos in the movie. <laughs> And I said, you do realize that Lin-Manuel himself and the director, uh, just Jason, Justin Lin, the, the, the two of them admitted that they effed up. They said, we, we messed up. We did not include the correct demographic of faces in this movie. We messed up. They came out and said that. But this person said to me, listen, there were plenty of Latinos in that movie. And I said, uh, you're wrong. This, this went on for like week after week to the point where I just said, I will never, I'd never want to talk to you again. Um, literally, I, I was just like, I'm never going to talk to you again. But, uh, cause I, you know, you get to your end. Like I said before, the people you spend your time around is how you spend your life. So I said to her, I said, uh, well, I watched the same movie as you did, 
I did not feel well represented in that movie. Personally, those are my feelings. Having watched the movie and being from that area, I did not feel represented accurately. I don't feel that this movie represented anything accurately, except for... Now, I pointed this out. I was like, except for the fact that the bodega, they've got the Utz potato chips. If you guys are from New York, you know what I'm talking about. They got the Entenmann's cookies. If you guys are from New York, you know what I'm talking about. They've got those five-cent barrels of blue liquid. If you guys are from New York, if anybody's from New York, has ever been to New York, grew up in New York, you know what I'm talking about. They got those details so spot on. So the movie specifically gets these details dead on, spot on. But somehow forgets to include Afro-Latinos. That's my complaint. That's my criticism of that movie. I'm like, if you're going to tell me that it was an oversight that you forgot to include Afro-Latinos in this movie, how come you didn't overlook the Utz potato chips on the shelf? Clearly you paid attention to detail. Except for one big detail, that Dominicans who look like Dominicans aren't in the damn movie. This is the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name's Aristotle Full Throttle, and I'm just going off. Today I'm going off. I drank a huge cup of coffee just now. Want, here, have some. I'm going to let you finish, but tell me why. T- <laughs> but let me tell you why my opinion on that. Thank you, Studio 8H. Uh, I'm just saying. This is the whole point. If someone can't admit they're wrong, that is a character. That is a character flaw, and you need to avoid that. Someone's like, "Oh, I'm uh, I must have you know what I'm wrong about that." That's actually character strength. If you can actually admit you're wrong. Also, here's a fun one, guys. Um, you know, if you're ever around one of those sort of like loud, obnoxious people who has to always have their opinion about everything and their opinion, uh, or or. If you ask a question, you guys know who I'm talking about. There's like always people where you like ask a question and then someone's like, well, um, because of the uh, this and then of the, that. And then let me just say that it's probably because probably, you know, I would think that and you're like, you don't really know the answer, do you? Well, you know, you, you would, I would say that, yeah, because there there's like a weird conditioning for I think it's white dudes in America that they must have the answer for everything. But check this one out. You get, guys, say this with me. It's a good one. Here's, here's some good practice. <clears throat> I don't know. This is the one that I've used a lot in the last 10 years or so. Someone asks a question. I would watch some dudes, especially particularly dudes, flail about searching for some made-up answer that they're just pulling out of their, their butt. Yes, it does sound like the GOP party, Studio 8H. This is, this is like, this is probably the demographic that I'm mostly referring to. But there's the answer, the answer, and an acceptable answer, ladies and gentlemen, is I don't know. 
You don't have to know everything. And you can be wrong. If you say something that's BS, that you know you just made up, that you just inferred, that you just opined about. The problem is, a lot of people don't have the, the words I don't know in their vocabulary. I don't know who, who, who does or doesn't, but I sure know that that's stupid. I'm going off today. I dialed my voice in a little bit better now, so you've got a little bit of the lower bass boost, a little bit of lower tones, ladies and gentlemen, so I can not sound so strained and shouty. This is, uh, my name is Pete Schwetty, and I've made these, uh, salted chocolate balls. Uh, I call them my Schwetty balls. That is a classic sketch. You know who I listened to today on Howard Stern Studio 8H? Molly Shannon. What a what a gift to the world Molly Shannon is. Wow, so funny. Just think of all those like characters that she gave us. Mary Catherine Gallagher, the 50-year-old woman. <laughs> uh, I could kick and I could stretch. I'm 50. <laughs> oh man, she's so good. I bring her up cuz she's in that sketch with Anna Gasteyer. The sweaty Balls sketch with Alec Baldwin and Anna Gasteyer and uh, Molly Shannon. Classic. Classic sketch. So good. I'm 50. <laughs> I just want to watch like an hour of those sketches right now. I had the biggest crush on Molly Shannon. I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, I had a big crush on Molly Shannon. And uh, I geeked out one time because I went to... Here's a fun story. Studio 8H, you will appreciate this story, and I will tell this story in the last 10 minutes of the show. I was at Sundance Film Festival. I have a very storied life, and I'm very happy. To, I'm realizing life's pretty good, to be honest. Life's pretty good. It's, I've got so many stories. And I just saw this quote the other day that said, if your life is worth thinking about, it's worth writing about. And maybe, just maybe, I will tell these stories in prose one time but uh well studio 8h you're gonna love this story because it's really freaking cool <laughs> i was at the sundance film festival one year it was the year wet hot american summer came out now we all love wet hot american summer i actually loved the netflix adaptation the fact that they didn't even address that they were even 20 years older <laughs> that they were 50 year olds playing camp counselors loved it uh thought it was amazing so I got to be there when, uh, you know, it was Michael Showalter and, and, and the guys from Stella and the guys from Saturday and the people from Saturday Night Live, the men and women from Saturday Night Live. I actually got to pee st standing next to, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're online at the Sundance Film Festival to go see Wet Hot American Summer because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see that. Did you see the cast? Let me just read to you the cast of Wet Hot American Summer. If you guys don't know, Hot American Summer, it's got Paul Rudd in it. Paul's Rudd. And I, I've got a picture of it. Oh, i got to dig up that picture for you. I will put that picture in the Discord if, if and when I find it. But I've got a picture that's worth a million trillion dollars because of people. But it's got Michael Showalter, Paul Rudd. I'd worked with Michael Showalter at that point. 
He was very funny. Uh, Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, Bradley Cooper, Ken Marino, Michael Ian Black, David Hyde Pierce. I, uh, was Janine Garofalo in the original? I don't know. Joe Lo Trulia, Molly Shannon. The list goes on and on. It's 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 just an incredible cast of just hilarious people. Christopher Maloney and oh my god, what a f- Kevin Sussman. I got a story about Kevin Sussman. He stole my lady. <laughs> uh, no, she wasn't my lady, but you know, uh, I got dumped. There was a story I was going to tell today that I said I'll save for today, but I forgot what it was. If you guys can remind me, let me know. I'll tell tomorrow. But uh, I do have a story about Kevin Sussman. Seems like a nice guy. Seems like a funny guy. I'll tell you about that story tomorrow. Also, Kevin Sussman, the actor who's the uh, the comic book store owner in the show The Big Bang Theory. I was dating someone and she dumped me for him. Uh, <laughs> it's a good story. I was like, I checked his net worth. It's $3 million. That's only $3 million more than I have. Um, so I'm at Sundance Film Festival. And you get to go see the movies that are there. You just got to go and wait on the standby line because usually the movies are sold out. So I went with my friend Penny. Penny Citrola. Citrola. Who incidentally was on Jeopardy. She won two games. I'll tell that story another time too. But I'm standing out with my friend Penny, and we're looking over, and then we're like, there's Amy Poehler. There's Janine Garofalo. I even saw Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert was there to do a to do a review. And we were number six on the standby line, which meant our chances were pretty good of getting tickets to see this movie. Because a lot of times people buy the tickets and they don't they don't uh they don't go see the movie, so you get like free tickets. Well, not free tickets. You got to still pay the six dollars or whatever it was to go see the movie. So we were like hoping to go see this movie with this stellar cast because we're big fans of Saturday Night Live and and uh, the state and and comedy. And we had worked with Michael Showalter three months before that. Me and Penny. So we're standing there on the line, right? And Rachel Dratch keeps walking by us, and we're like. Oh, that's Rachel Dratch. She just keeps walking by looking. Amy Poehler is like talking to her. And uh, this, this is real life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I witnessed this. Uh, I'm looking over at the, all these celebrities. and uh, Amy Poehler's running back and forth. Rachel Dratch is one running by us. And then I just said, and then we said, I said to my friend Penny, I was like, I bet she, she doesn't have a ticket. I bet you she doesn't have a ticket to see a movie that has all of her friends in it. So we go like this. We go, hey, Rachel, Rachel, do you want to cut in front of us online? <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? And we're like, yeah, yeah. It looks like you, you don't have a ticket, do you? She's like, no, I don't have a ticket. I was like, well, then just just these are all your friends in this movie at the Sundance Film Festival. Of course you can cut in front of us to go see this movie. You should see this movie more than we should see this movie. <laughs> So she, she, so she, we let her cut the line or whatever, make cuts, take cuts. So I don't know what part of the country you're from. So we're talking to, to Rachel Dratch for like half an hour. We're like, Rachel, this is so cool. She's the sweetest person ever, nicest. And she's like, wow, this is so cool of you guys. This is great. Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm going to totally hook you guys up with tickets. 
And we were like, what? We didn't even, that wasn't even something we expected. That was just something she just threw out there. And we were like, okay, sure. About five minutes later, Amy Poehler comes running up to us and she's like, oh guys, thank you so much for uh, like letting Rachel do this, but we found a ticket for Rachel. Thank you guys. That was awesome of you. And then Rachel's like, listen, I got you. I got you. Okay. Just give me your, here's my number for my office at Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I'm not joking. This has really happened. And just call me and I'll hook you up. And uh, my friend who worked my friend Penny worked in the equipment room at college. This was in college. And she was working at the equipment room where, where you get all the film cameras and all the sound equipment and stuff like that. She used to work there. So you'd rent it out to the students. And uh, I used to hang out there because I was a film student. I was a film kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm a film kid. I got to hang out at the equipment room with all the film nerds, you know? Of course I do. So uh, I would always be at the equipment room hanging out. And then Penny said to me one day, she's like, I've been playing phone tag with Rachel Dretch <laughs> and she played me the message Rachel's on the machine in the equipment room because she called the equipment room at Hofstra and uh, the, the message was like this hey Penny it's Rachel from SNL listen I just want you to know that I didn't forget about our sweet deal <laughs> so I got you guys tickets for next weekend so we freaking got to go see Saturday Night Live. And we got special tickets. Sorry, Studio 8H. Listen, I've lived in New York my whole life growing up, or that part of my life, and I'd never gone to see Saturday Night Live because the waiting list is like 18 months. But we got like two weeks. <laughs> two weeks notice, and we went. And we got to see the live uh, telecast, which was so freaking cool. It gets better, Studio 8H. We got ushered right to the freaking, like, the front row of like the upper deck. So we were like, or, or like the side. So we had like, we were right there looking at everything. I'm sure if we got there earlier, we would have gotten the seats on the floor, but we were a little bit late actually. Cause we kind of like moseyed in speaking. Of, I think Johnny Mosley was the host. that <laughs> wasn't the greatest host, but it was the greatest time to go, actually go see Saturday night live. Will Farrell started the sketch, started off the show with a George W. Bush impression. Um, so 10 seconds before air, it's so cool. Ten seconds before Will Ferrell's in full George Bush makeup, and he's like, just joking to the crowd, just throwing things out to the crowd, just oh, it's just like being funny. Then they're like, there's a guy, there's a stage manager, go ten seconds to air, and we're like, ooh, it's exciting, you know. And then it's like five seconds to air, and then he goes like three seconds, and he sounded panicked. And then everybody starts cheering. The applause signs come on. So, of course, it fades in and then we get to see the show. Uh, what a show that was. It was such a fun time to be there. And guess what? After the show, after the good nights and everything, Penny and I, I was like, hey, Penny, let's go hang out at the exit and watch everybody leave. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we're kids and we love Saturday Night Live. And like it's Jimmy Fallon and, and Tina Fey, who is the greatest comic mind of her generation, by the way. Tina Fey, last 20 years greatest comic genius she's the steve martin of the last 20 years so we're standing there at like the vel red velvet ropes watching horatio sands get in his limo watching jimmy fallon get in and then everybody was going good night jimmy good night jimmy and i was like good night jimmy and he was like oh yeah 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 okay uh, all right <laughs> okay yeah i'm jimmy fallon <laughs> you know and then he gets in his car and then t look this is crazy my store my life is crazy and then I'm standing there 
and Tina Fey walks right up to me. Tina Fey, the greatest comic mind of the last 20 years, comes up to me and is like, she, she saw that we were holding these tickets and they were white. The Saturday Night Live tickets were white. And she's like, oh, you guys got special tickets. Who did, who did you come to see? Who are you here with? And we were like, oh, Rachel. And then we told her the whole story I just told you. <laughs> and she's like, that's awesome. Tina Fey was one of the coolest people I've ever met. Tina Fey. Yeah, that Tina Fey. I was, I was just like, this is one of the coolest things I've, that's ever happened. And I'm like 12 at the time. But um, yeah, it was really, really freaking cool. It was really, really cool. Um, Studio 88 says, Unreal cast, most of the cast were basically nobodies at that point too. Yes. Yeah, just think about that cast. Amy Poehler, Horatio Sands, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, host of what? The Tonight Show? You might have heard of it. Um, <clears throat> oh, Studio 88 can listen to SNL stories forever. Well, that was... You know, I grew up, I wanted to be on SNL. I still do. Hey, SNL, I know you already got Aristotle in your cast, but I could do, I could be a better, just don't change the name, just change the person. I'll be the guy, okay? I always did want to be on it, on like a writer or something just involved in Saturday Night Live. That was, that was my ambition in eighth grade for sure. <laughs> I did go to Saturday Night Live with a resume right after college i went up to the building i went up to studio 8h or the mail room and i gave them a resume and i was like i would like to go here and they they never called me um but that was a crazy incredible story we got to meet rachel dratch but let me tell you when we went and saw the movie wet hot american summer we saw the whole cast there <laughs> we like just standing right there, like David Hyde Pierce, right in front of me. I had a little disposable camera. I took a picture. So I've got these pictures of the entire lineup of that cat, that incredible cast. And, and Molly Shannon is in that picture. And this whole story stems out of a story of the fact that I had a huge crush on Molly Shannon. So I think she was just one of the funniest people ever. And funny, that's that goes a long way for me, personally. And that's why we got to say... Uh, rest in peace, Gilbert Gottfried. See how I did that? <laughs> um, Gilbert Gottfried. Here's another little bit of information. The uh, the group Stella. What's that guy's name? The guy who directed Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, if you can name him faster than me. Oh, David Wayne. <clears throat> nice callback. Thank you. I, I'm trained in uh, Upright Citizens Brigade comedy. By the way, started one of the owners of Upright Citizens Brigade, Amy Poehler. One of the creators of Upright Citizens Brigade, Amy Poehler. Another comic genius. So, uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a literal student of these people. So this is a funny story. Uh, don't tell nobody. <laughs> but right before the movie started, right after, right before David Wayne introduced the movie, I run to the bathroom because it's a movie, you know, I got to got to do a, a safety pee right before the movie. And um, I walk up to the urinal. Now, guys, you might want. Listen, you, we have urinals in boys bathrooms and then walks right up to the urinal next to me. David Wayne. I know I've got stories, right? There's even a little story about peeing next to David Wayne. Uh. I'm standing there peeing. I'm a kid. I'm just like, oh my God, that's David Wayne from the state and from 
Stella, and he's hilarious, and he directed this movie, and I'm peeing next to David. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually holding my hands in the position of peeing right now so that I can relive this moment. And uh, so I said, to, uh, and I, the, the weird thing about that is while I was all of this was going on in my head, David Wayne, I don't know if he was trying to be funny. In my mind, in that moment, he was trying to be funny. But he was like, he was going like this. He was making really weird noises. And I was like, I think he's being funny. I think he's appreciating the absurdity of this moment and trying to make it even more awkward. So I would like to think that David Wayne punked me with P. Thank you guys for watching the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. Thank you for Studio EH. I know there's a delay, um, but yes, you did remind me it was David Wayne. What a great, what a great uh, time that was, the Sundance Film Festival. Highly recommend it. Um, it still goes on every, like a week after my birthday. A lot of fun people. I worked on a movie. Um, I was just telling a story today, guys. I was just re- so many stories it's ridiculous me and Greg Benson could probably shoot the shoot the breeze about these stories he's got 10 times more stories than me though I love his stories but uh, I, I was I was uh, just telling recounting the story of when I was the key production assistant on Kissing Jessica Stein you can IMDB it you'll see key production assistant Kissing Jessica Stein Aristotle Drea full throttle um what a cool experience that was to be like have somewhat of a uh, a higher up position on a movie. My second movie ever. I was like promoted to key production assistant. Second movie. Usually that doesn't happen for like two, three years. But I was just like, you know what? I'll do it. Give me the job. Put me in, coach. Um, lovely experience with uh, Heather and uh, Jennifer, um, the two writers of the movie kissing Jessica Stein Jennifer Westfeld by the way someone earlier brought up the movie the TV series Mad Men she was like oh my friend looks like John Hamm or my friend is John Hamm and I'm like is actually John Hamm or looks like boilerplate white guy and she said (laughs) she said she said uh, (laughs) this is not a knock against John Hamm because let me just tell you the dude is I'll get to it but he's funny. We all know he's very funny. From 30 Rock and from Saturday Night Live, John Hamm is a freaking ham. He lives up to his name. So, dig this, Studio 8H. I'm a key production assistant. It's like the, the fourth to last day of shooting on uh, Kissing Jessica Stein. And it's a long, grueling shoot. It was a, it, there was like an 18-hour day. There were, there were lots of days, like 14 hours mostly, especially when you're a PA. PAs, by the way, they, we sleep. I was only PA two times. I was a PA and then a key PA, and I quit. Uh, I, I don't like production, the production end, personally. It's a lot of garbage picking up and paperwork. Because PAs sleep the least and drive the most. Not safe. Uh, so, what an incredible experience that was, working with Jennifer Westfeld. But Studio 8H, like four days before the last day of shooting or something, they were kind of wrapping it up, and there's a final scene of the movie Kissing Jessica Stein. I don't know if you've ever seen it. (laughs) But I was on set for the entire shooting of that movie. I'm standing next to the camera, and I'm working with 
uh, Heather and, and Jennifer, Jessica, Jennifer, um, she plays Jessica. And I was working with them every day. They were like my pals <laughs> at that point. Then the, the second, on this day, I'm in New York City and, and uh, Jennifer Westfeld comes up to me. She's like, Aristotle, my boyfriend's coming. My boyfriend's coming. My boyfriend's coming to set. Can you like hang out with him t- all day? <laughs> and I was like, sure. She's like, yeah, could you just like watch him and like kind of babysit, and, like hang out with my boyfriend all day? I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Studio 8H, you made the call. John Hamm was her boyfriend. <laughs> so I'm hanging out with John Hamm all day. Literally. Just for 12 hours, me and John Hamm shooting the breeze. Nicest dude ever. John Hamm, you're, you're the best in the biz. What a guy. You're a mensch. Very cool dude. <laughs> Yeah, they were together for like 20 years. And Studio 8H, that was like, she was so, they loved you. You could tell that there was like sparks between them because they were just, um, he was such a nice guy. I got to tell you, like, what a freaking cool dude. I was like, we could be pals, man. (laughs) And he was just like, hey, uh, yeah, you know, like just really happy to be there. And then they filmed, if spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Kissing Jessica Stein, the very last shot is him walking like, knocking on a door and she sees him and then he's like this new potential partner uh, he just has a little cameo this is before Mad Men this is years before Mad Men so I hung out with John Hamm before he was John Hamm and uh, I'll tell you he listen the dude's just a cool dude <laughs> and I did nothing bad to say about hanging out with this dude for 14 hours I was just like yeah seems pretty cool um, and then he was in Mad Men and and my friend was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh... I was actually invited to a Mad Men party one time, about 10 years ago or so. And uh, everybody was dressed up like the characters. And I was the only person of color at this party. And I was like, well, am I supposed to dress up like the elevator guy? Everybody dressed up nice. What, am I supposed to be the bellhop? I'm just saying why people love Mad Men. They love this show. Yeah, I'll invite John Hamm and Rachel Dretch to my next party. But my voice is strained. I, I told all of the stories. There's so many more stories where this came from. I, I think about this often and I go, you know what? There's There's been a lot of, a lot of, it's been a nice time. I get a little depressed at these last couple years because usually I'm out there. I'm just out there. Just, you know, not like mentally. Physically, I'm out there get, like hustling and bustling and, and I'm in the mix and I like to meet people and I like to talk to people. And I like to hang out with people. And these last two years, obviously, we're all suffering from this um, weird social fallout of COVID. And, you know, I'm still feeling it. I'm still trying to get back out there. Create more stories because, you know, I ain't dead yet. Not like Gilbert Gottfried, anyway. Listen, I've been making uh, out-of-school jokes about Gilbert Gottfried because I love him. And the fact that Gilbert Gottfried would do that to himself is why I'm doing it. Because Gilbert Gottfried would have wanted it that way. And you know it. You know that he would have made the, the most too-soon jokes ever. Um, just wait. Just wait and see. 
all week long. You're going to get all of the crazy roasts. Yes, Gilbert would love those jokes. That's a tribute to Gilbert Gottfried. Because I know if there was anybody who would want to be made fun of as soon as they died, it's him. (laughs) I always say this to my friends. I'm like, listen, if I die in a very funny way, I'm giving you permission right now. You have complete consent to make fun of me all you want. If I walk backwards and fall into a manhole and die and explode, if I if I trip and fall out a window, that's hilarious. If I slip on a banana peel like and die, please make fun of me. Please. I would love that. This is this is my request for all of you out there. I would I don't care. I don't want to Norm McDonald used to say, "Ah, no, I want everyone to be sad at my funeral. I don't want everybody to have a party. I want them to be uh, crying. <laughs> but we lost Norm. We lost uh, Bob Saget. We just lost Gilbert Gottfried. What is the new landscape of comedy? I don't even know. Gilbert Gottfried was the most irreverent comedian, and he would have absolutely loved he would have absolutely loved to uh, make fun of himself for dying. So we shall do that in tribute. Gilbert Godfrey, I hope that your uh, entertaining everyone in hell with your latest version of the Aristocrats, which probably lasts infinite years. Mulally, Aziz, etc. is new school. Mulally, Mulaney. I gotta say that uh, John Mulaney is a great comedian. He's a he's a lot he's a bit much for me, in the sense that I love him. I love his bits, but I can only watch like one bit at a time because they're so comp- they're so compressed. His writing is so tight, it's so tightly wound, and his his entire hour is just like yes, and then no, I don't. And he's just constantly moving. So I I I literally have to take John Mulaney in like three minute chunks. But every time I do, it's just pure gold. He's just a he's a pure, solid gold writer. And, and I really, really enjoy his comedy. Aziz is also... He's he's kind of a funny vibe because he can come down here. He gets real chill. He gets down here. He brings us all down here. And then he goes up here and he starts screaming! Which is a really fun dynamic. I like it. Alright, that's all I got for today. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys hanging out. Um... You know, listen to Gilbert Gottfried. He's he's hilarious. Don't get limited to anyone else's imagination. Also, you know, it, I'm the worst person to say this, but because I can't cannot stand when people are never wrong about anything. I can't stand it. Shows it shows weakness. I remember I was trying to explain to someone. I was trying to mansplain something to someone, where I was like. You know, when people can't admit they're wrong, it's because they have a fragile ego. When people are grandiose, it's because they often have a fragile ego, and they don't want that shattered. And they just didn't agree with me, which is fine. But it was frustrating, because I'm like, well, you'll learn it, I guess, at some point, (laughs) that people just genuinely don't want you to shake their foundation of who they think they are. who you think you is. 
But you gotta you gotta move on from people who don't think that they're ever wrong. Somehow you have to just let them try to maintain their uh, survival. Just be like, you know what? I'm doing a good thing. I'm just letting you live in your own warped world. But I also don't ever have to be around you. I don't like you. This is the hypothetical person who is never wrong. But you guys, I love. I love hanging out with you every day here at Aristotle Full Throttle, five days a week, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please find it in your heart to pledge or subscribe or or buy a t-shirt. It helps me out. It helps out the show. Legitimately does. Or you could just listen to this on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast. You could just listen to this show. Just listen to the show and enjoy it. Put it on the background. Hang out. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm telling stories here about my life. And uh, maybe you find them entertaining. Maybe you find them irritating. But I don't care. Listen to them anyway. I like to have a fun time. Thank you, Studio ADH. Good night. Always a good time. Always a pleasure. Good day, sir! <laughs> but remember, that employee that you have... I feel your pain. It's not it's not a fun experience to just be like, okay. You're never wrong. Cuz they'll 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 literally fight for their survival to try to prove that they're always right. And you just got to go, "Oh, I got to let this go cuz I'm not willing to fight as hard as you are to carry on your BS." So, enjoy living in your own world. <laughs> Anyway, that's all I got. Love you guys. What a fantastic life this is. Enjoy every day. And remember, how who you spend your time with is how you spend your life. And boy, oh boy, would I have loved to... I did get to spend some time with Gilbert Gottfried. I did go to see the movie Gilbert four years ago. It was a documentary, and Gilbert Gottfried was there to answer questions. It was a QA. and a I saw that um, mid-Wilshire. I forgot the theater's name, but the director was there. Gilbert was there. His, his partner was there and it was a wonderful time and he was very funny even just just being himself and a uh, very funny guy comedy has lost an icon another one another one Gilbert why did you have to make it number three Bob Saget Norm MacDonald Gilbert Godfrey rest in peace <laughs>